welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 221. Today is Monday, April 24th, 2023. Um, guys, today's going to be a fantastic show. I'm very excited. Um, just a reminder, everybody, that starting today... And going for the next two weeks, we have, we're going down to three shows a week um, while we are in Israel. So that's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, today is going to be a great show. Wednesday is going to be a great show. Friday, all the shows that we've recorded, um, they're just absolutely awesome, guys. So you guys are going to be really blessed. Um, also... I wanted to let you guys all know. Oh, also, uh, just a reminder then that starting Monday, May 8th, we are back at five days a week, Um, albeit a little jet lagged, but we will be back at five days a week. So um, also, uh, anytime you guys donate to ElijahFire.com slash donate, uh, you guys know the drill. We take a part of it and we funnel it into our water drilling effort. See how that tied in, tied in the little uh, thing I said. See, see, yeah. and uh, we take a portion of every donation. We 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 funneled into our water well efforts. So we're gonna play a quick uh, update video showing you where that money is going, and then we are going to get going with this amazing episode. Here we go. All right. So uh, today's show is going to be great. Um, we're gonna be talking about creative avenues uh, to engage in conversation with younger generations identifying why kids are being targeted today. We're going to be talking about much, much more, but I can think of no other person than uh, as, a, as an authority in these topics than my guest today. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's also the founder of Freedom Lounge. Let's give it up for my guest today, Cindy McGill. Cindy McGill. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Elijah Fire. Last time you were with your amazing husband, Tim, which yes. was a great episode. Very excited to have you kick off this, uh, you know, maiden voyage of the Israel uh, thing, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Hey, you know, you're going to have a lot of fun over there yeah. because there's a lot of young uh, Jewish kids that are seeking and new age fairs were really a big, big deal. I don't know if they still are, but I haven't been to Israel myself and I am going. So yeah. when you get there, uh, you will maybe have opportunities to use some of the, you know, little things we've discovered along uh-huh. the way yeah. uh, that will give um, to give insight to the Messiah. When I was on Sid Roth, he says, it's the Messiah. I'm like, yes, it's the Messiah. <laughs> yes, Sid, yes. And um. So, uh, you know, it, 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 they're just so open. And yeah. I remember um, at Burning Man, when we went to Burning Man so many years, I mean, we were out there 16 years or something. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the young Jewish kids were the ones who saw the, the supernatural realm in our tent. They saw the angels. They saw the gold. They saw the pillars. They saw all this wow. stuff. And we, we uh, didn't. I didn't, and our team didn't really see it. We were like, what are you talking yeah. about? And sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gold pillars and angels. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Cause well, we gave room for the Holy spirit. So he did whatever he wanted right. and they saw it. Well, what's interesting about, uh, cause I was talking to a friend of mine who grew up, I mean, she was, uh, I guess a messianic um, now, but she was saying her parents 
she was telling me how they met. She's like, they met at a Jewish Buddha, a Buddhist camp. And I'm like, Jewish Buddhist. She goes, here's the thing about a lot of, a lot of Jews is they say, they're like, I don't care what you are. Just don't be Christian. Yeah. (laughs) So that was like what the, you know, so, so I guess I'm not surprised to see Jewish people, but it's interesting because you know, if you look even in the Old Testament, how often did they stray away and go towards other things other than oh, God? Yeah. That I mean, they mm-hmm. were seeing spiritual things manifesting in front of them. So yes. Jews mm-hmm. are obviously made for things of the spirit, clearly. Oh, yeah. They're they're awakened in ways, you know, that we we take for granted or maybe we don't even see or we don't pay attention to. Yeah. So um I'm always excited when a young Jewish kid uh comes around you know Mm. uh they're also seers and they have a deep uh understanding it's not even hard to communicate like interpreting a dream for them or whatever they automatically go into spirit mode Mm. and they can uh they can understand it almost almost drawing it i'm gonna say i i think they draw it out of me they draw it out of me like um and i'm i i think they're i think it's so cool i mean yeah well, that's the interesting thing to see, like different cultures, and not to say, I, I mean, maybe I, I don't know if you could speak to this, but something that I've noticed is because I have a lot of um, African American friends. Like when I was in YWAM, I had a lot of African friends, like Native African Africans, and um, they seem to be really sensitive to things of the spirit, yes. like very. And I think that's one of the reasons why we do see such a concentration of dark spiritual things in Africa, Mm -hmm. but then maybe the same can be said about Jews as well. I mean, they, they bring a different level. And I'm wondering if like, I don't know if you've noticed or observed in your years of, of doing ministry, if, if different people from different regions kind of God puts his mark on those different Mm -hmm. groups of people in different ways. I don't know if you've observed that yourself, but. Well, they don't have the distractions that we do here. Mm. And they don't have the, um, you know, all the, it's almost as if America, um, you know, we're so material minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go anywhere else in the world, you'll notice that Christians, uh, they, people that call themselves Christian, are they followers of Jesus? Okay. <clears throat> they have to pray every single day just to stay alive. Some yeah. of them have to pray in their food. Some food has to be multiplied. Uh, miracles are commonplace. Raising mm-hmm. the dead is commonplace um, because they don't have the distractions. They don't have the, and, and over in, and sadly, you know, here in America, because we have had so much uh, generosity, we have have so much wealth. We've got uh, comfort, we've got homes, we've got air conditioning, we've got food and water, you know, we've got all these things. Uh, we, we don't, we don't have to, depend on God. I'm just going to say it. We don't have to depend, depend on God for everyday things. You know, mm. those days could be coming. I don't know. But, um, but I do feel like, you know, I, I, we went to India. Okay. And we spent like 10 days in India. And when Tim and I got back on the plane, I mean, we went and ministered and, and it was so, it was so different because we saw things. We, we, we learned more than we gave out really, because the people there um, it's, it's very normal for them to, to work a miracle or to see a thing. Right. Or yeah. And when you prayed, it was at the, right there. I mean, it just happened. The, the spirit of God would just fill the room. Um, 
And when we got on the plane to come home, we both sat there in our in our airplane seats and thought, are we even saved? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these people are like totally sold out. Yeah, there's, they're hardcore, man. There is absolutely no wiggle room. There's no gray. There's no, mm. they're, they are hot. Yeah. They're either hot or they are cold. Well, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that was interesting too, because I've been to India as well, and it was that even talking to the Hindus, mm-hmm. they didn't doubt the existence of God. They didn't doubt mm-hmm. that Jesus was real and that what we were testifying about him was real. But for them, they have a uh, a uh, they have thousands of gods. They've got yes. for everything. So for they them, three hundred and thirty million gods. Yeah. So for them, it was one god of many. So, mm-hmm. but that was a that was a real wake up call for me of just like, yeah, because I'm so over here. It's like atheism, right? It's yeah. like, oh yeah, right, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for them, they didn't doubt God worked in miracles. They didn't doubt that yeah. Jesus healed. They just thought, oh well, he's just one God of many, you know. Yeah. Just a totally different mindset. It's wild. Well, and so you go over. People do take missions trips and they go over to these different places, Africa, India, mm-hmm. you know, different places like that. And uh, they see miracles and they go to see miracles and they work miracles and miracles happen. Mm-hmm. Eyes grow in sockets, ears open up, you know, uh, arms that were uh, uh, not formed at birth. They came out, mm-hmm. you know, without an arm grew out um, and with fingers and the whole thing. And here in America, uh, you don't see that kind of thing all the time because mm-hmm. You know, uh, people just don't have, uh, there's no faith for it, for one thing. Um, And so, but I mean, it does happen. But, you know, the weird thing was for me anyway, um, and why I do the ministry type stuff that I do is because I've always had my heart for America because I just realized we're just, we're just falling behind. Like we, we don't, we don't have intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. We don't have even a desire. Everything has to be flash and bash and you know, uh, big, big production and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I remembered, you know, the scripture where Jesus said, you know, many will come to me in that day and say, didn't we work miracles in your name? Didn't we do these things? And he goes, well, depart from me because I never knew you. Yeah. You, we, you had no personal relationship with me. And so I thought America in a lot of ways is a harder mission field than any place else I've, I've been, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I want I'm looking at these young kids and I'm thinking, okay, you guys are getting ready to have an explosion of a demonstration of the power of heaven. Heaven's going to split open and there's going to be this demonstration. I just finally watched the Jesus revolution. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't see it when it first came out. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) that's what it was. You know, it's like, um, and, and also the foundation of it was uh, the free love. It was love movement. You know, it was a love. It was, it was satisfying a a God shaped hole in the heart of people. When it filled up, we weren't seeking other things. We didn't need drugs. We didn't need alcohol. We didn't need relationships. We didn't need all the sex and all the stuff to fill the hole. Yeah. And God filled it. And so, um, and so here we are again, I was just listening to, um, uh, Rick Joyner, and he was talking about when he got saved, you know, in the Jesus movement too. And he said, he made a statement and I, I had to think about it. And he goes, when I got saved back in the Jesus movement, he goes, it was, the world was in far worse condition than now. Interesting. And I thought, hmm. 
you know, cause I don't remember that, but I was young. I was, you know, 20. And, um, and I thought, I wonder what he, cause he's older than me a little bit. And I thought, I wonder what he was seeing, you know, I wonder what he knew. I mean, we'd come back from the Vietnam war. That's so true. That, There's a lot of assassinations. Was, there was a mm-hmm. lot of, yeah. And so, um, you know, there were those things, but, uh, it's like, we're in a, we're, we're primed and ready. It seems right now, um, for a, a huge demonstration of, of the power of God. And the thing that will trip us up. Okay. And I mean, I'm doing outreaches in all kinds of places, right? Some are filmed, some are not because, you know, there's a time to show some things that we see. Um, and, but I'm telling you that once the wall is down and you're able to, to, to ask questions and to get, to have conversation with people that don't, you know, that are different than you, then they want to hear more. They're Mm -hmm. looking for someone who can accept them and love them. And, um, and no matter what, no matter what they're into, what, no matter what they've, they've fallen into, no matter what they're, upbringing you know it's like god told me before you don't know their story Hmm. so and um and so i think as we do that as we as we can position ourselves and go okay i'm not going to have a knee jerk here um yeah these people are dressed like this or dressed like that and i have to watch it myself especially with the drag queen thing and trying to draw kids well why do they want children yeah. You know, why do they want kids? Yeah. Go why the, do they want kids? Yeah. There? Go to the adults and do it there, you know, whatever. But why are you trying to, to normalize this for children? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just a spirit, you know, that has been unleashed on the kids because they're getting ready to have a huge visitation from God. And it's going to, it's going to literally displace the devil's plan mm-hmm. and all the things that he has for them. And, um, so, you know, I, I have to rely a lot on what God's going to do. I, if I don't have the power to do something about it, like, you know, and I'm there and, 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 you know, then I have to say, well, then you've got God. You said you would contend with those who contend with us and you would sa- save our kids. Mm. And so it's like you, it's on you. It's on you now to do this because I'm here. I'm available. What do you want me to do? How do you want this to go down? You know, what is, what is your strategy here? How do you want this to, to shake out? Because um, if, if, if I'm here to gain uh, information for my own benefit, so I know what's going on. So I know how to pray. I know how to build uh, intercessory teams for when I go out and take people with me, Mm -hmm. then, um, then I've, that's for my own information. Now I know what to do. I know how to, to uh, position myself or to get myself, um, in a place where I can build a team that I know is going to be unified and they're going to be able to do something. We're going to get an assignment. We will get a download. We'll get a blueprint of what we need to be doing. And when we go into those places and I saw it happen at Burning Man, I saw it happen at uh, LGBTQ um, places, you know, the queer lounge. I saw it happen at the film festivals. Um, I saw it happen at the pagan festival. And it was like, God gave us ahead of time things that would, you know, that would happen. And, and even the uh, Gothic kids in Scotland. Um, and we just had an audience with them. They were, we, we looked nothing like them. We had nothing in common with them, 
but we were, we were available and we, you know, I got a word of knowledge for one of them and pretty soon all of them came over and wanted to know more. We had 30 or 40 kids hmm. at the park. Well, okay, okay. So Cindy, let's talk about that a little bit because I've heard numerous people and I, you know, I've even had this thought myself of like, man, like I don't look, you know, we always, I do believe there is something to be said about like, if someone looks closer to a certain group of people, they may take to them quicker. But what you're saying is that's not a requirement because you just said, um, cause I think people look at that and go, well, I don't look like I'm not tatted up. I don't have, you know, whatever, um, you know, so the, I don't look like them. So they're not going to listen to me. But what you just said is it that doesn't matter because you just said we don't look anything like these goth kids in Edinburgh. So but we had an audience with them. Why? Why is that? Why did that happen, Cindy? That's that's what I want to know. I know a lot of people are going to ask the same question. Yeah. Well, we you know, a lot of our um, uh, entry or, or starting conversation is to, you know, say, hey. Uh, we're, we're dream interpreters or, you know, we're, we're out here, we're, we're spirit readers, you know, they, that you can use that word too. We're spirit readers. Uh, or, and we do alignments. We do, uh, we do spiritual alignments for people, you know, and get everything straightened out and whatever kind of thing. Cause they're always in some kind of a stir, mm-hmm. but dream interpretation works so, so well. I'm so thankful. Um, and in this case, in the case I'm talking about, um, uh, we, I, I had like, maybe 10 kids standing around us and a kid said, well, you know, one, uh, he was like a leader of this Gothic group. And he said, well, I had a dream. And I said, well, what is it? You know, let me give it a shot. I don't know. And uh, I saw, I was really relaxed, wasn't freaking out, didn't have, you know, and um, he said, well, I saw myself and I was in a boat with friends and we went to an island and we got off the boat and we were, you know, messing around and throwing the ball and whatever. And all of my friends got back in the boat and I was there. I left, was left. And um, there was something trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. And instantly, without thinking, I said, I heard God say he's suicidal. Wow. And I said, how long? without even interpreting the dream, I said, how long have you been suicidal? And he gasped Yeah, and all of his friends did. And I said, when you're, when you isolate yourself, you seek your own desire and you don't listen to sound wisdom. So Mm -hmm. you've, you've, you put yourself That's in Proverbs, you put yourself in a place where you've isolated yourself to seek your own desire and anything that isn't, lining up with your destiny is going to try and take you out. So um, I said, I'm going to break that off of you. And I said, you're going to live and not die. You're going to fulfill your destiny and your years on this earth. And you're going to have clarity of mind and you're going to be able to see. Now I'm giving them a spiritual, a whole new spiritual, like a prescription for life. And this is, and I could feel the power behind my words. I could feel that God was saying, yes, keep telling him what his future is. Keep telling me, telling him about how he's going to be. His, his path will be navigated in such a way that he will. And he, and see, we're only, this is the thing 
we get messed up with. We think, well, we need to seal the deal. Mm-hmm. We need to you talk need to about plant, it. you need to water and then you need to harvest all in, yeah, all in one yeah. time. Well, God's mm-hmm. a farmer. And, right. and also I'm, I, he's not my kid. He's God's kid, you know? So, um, and so I've only got so much I can say, and then God's going to direct his path. Cause I said that I said, your path is going to be directed and the crooked places are going to be made straight and rough places are going to be made smooth. And you're going to begin to walk down the path. And as you do, you're going to get direction. You're going to get purpose and identity, and you're going to see who you really are and come into who you really are. And all of these other things are going to begin to fall off of you that have been uh, plaguing you. And even the nightmares and the different things that you've had at night are not going to be available to you anymore. So I was canceling the enemy's assignment over him. And, um, and that opened up all these kids. Cause now, I mean, these were, we're talking somewhere as young as 14 and 15. So they weren't like adult kids. They were just kids that were just going with, this thing because it was weird and different and it wasn't religious right Mm -hmm. and then they all wanted their dreams interpreted they wanted um there were a couple of times when we got to say well you know i hear from god the creator and here's what i see about you now we're giving words of knowledge and uh and we we came back the next night because we couldn't we couldn't get to them all because more and more people started showing up and again probably the oldest one there was maybe 19 or 20. Mm. So all of them were young kids and they came back the next day because we said we would come back the next day. And, um, and the, the police had to uh, close the park down at a certain hour for vandalism purposes and they would gate it up and they'd blow the whistle and go, okay, everybody come out, everybody on the street. This was our second night. And there was a young girl who chased me uh, out to the gate where the, where the police was blowing the whistle, telling everybody to get out. And she said, I'm not going to leave here until you tell me what God thinks about me. Wow. And I was like, I would never be able to have a conversation with someone like that in a church setting. They would never, they wouldn't have, you know, they, they needed personal attention. Mm-hmm. You know, they needed personal, they need personal attention. The other thing that we need to remember is that they have love languages. And oftentimes we try and, and, you know, some of them need a hug because touches are love language. That's mm-hmm. what they need. They needed that uh, at the adult convention this year. We were like, what is it? Is it words of encouragement? Is it dream interpretation? Is it, what is it? You know, uh, is it gift giving? Cause we do have gifts that we give out, you know, what is it? And, um, and it was personal touch. They wanted personal touch. And I found out that cause I'm not, I'm not a hugger by nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and, but uh, I was like, you know, they would even say to me, they would tell me what their love. They would say to me, can I get a hug? And I go, yeah, absolutely. I go, I'm a mom. I'll hug you. Mm -hmm. And I do. And I hug them hard and they hug me hard. And it's like this thing happens, this, this, all their shields go down, all their walls go down, all their fear and apprehension. And 
at that point, we have a trust bridge, you know, we've got something now that, um, and they're like, are you going to come back? Are you, are you going to be here again? Because we could have seriously, we could have probably started some kind of a thing there at that park. Wouldn't be in a building. It would just be in a park and we could have started something. I mean, you know, and I'm all over that. I'm like, no, we're not going to be able to have to leave tomorrow. But you know what? We come back from time to time. And I thought, what about, you know, we had two people with us who live there, actually. And they did take it, but uh, some some of their friends, just a few, maybe two or three dream interpreters. And they did continue to go back. And um, but when it when we had the the whole team of about eight of us, maybe six, 10 of us there, it was just like a a portal opened up or there was just this favor or they just wanted, they wanted more. That's all I can say. They were like, I, I, I've never had this. I, I never understood this. I didn't know my dreams meant anything. I didn't, I didn't know you were safe. We like you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I knew that it was not me. I mean, it's just the love of God going. It's a compelling factor. You know, I talk mm-hmm. about that in words at work. It's like words at work brought the heart of God forward. It's a compelling factor. And they're just like, oh, my gosh. And then you're learning as well. I learned as much there as they got. Yeah. Because oh, I, sure. I didn't know about their culture. I didn't know about what they do. And, you know, and and so I thought we're we are so stuck in this. You know, we always talk about thinking outside the box. We have to know what's in the box. Well, we know what's in the box and it's not working <laughs> mm-hmm. because it was never meant to be boxed up. Right. It's meant to be out there. Yeah. You know? Well, and Cindy, let's let's um, talk about the whole idea of, um, and I mean, feel free to add any other unconventional <laughs> methods of reading, but specifically tattoo reading. And before we move on, I know that, a lot of the people are going to be like, whatever tattoos, whatever, you know, like in terms of like, I don't have a problem with them, but there are going to be people who are going to completely close off because they hear tattoos and they're like, well, tattoos can the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. The reality is this, regardless of your interpretation of a verse or a section, which it's not specifically talking just about people getting tattoos. It was marking their bodies in regards to worship to Baal, and that's a whole nother thing. The reality is people are getting tattoos. So regardless of your stance on it, people are still getting tattoos. And God doesn't waste any opportunity to reach people, uh, unlike us uh, Mm -hmm. that do. Can God use tattoos? Can we, can can God speak to people through tattoos they got that maybe they thought were just on a whim? Yeah, he okay. does all the time. Let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Just for a uh, good measure, I'll let everyone know I don't have a tattoo. I don't. But the either. only reason I don't have one is because everything that I would get would sag. Yeah. <laughs> and I just don't like needles. Yeah. I just don't like it. And I like change too much. So if I got one, I'm not sure that I wouldn't like it's it's like jewelry or anything else. I just like change too much. I mean, 
I don't know that I'd want that on me forever and ever, you know? Yeah. Well, um, so I, that's my personal preference. Yeah. So I don't have tattoos either. And it was because I couldn't think of anything I would want on my body for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of interests. I have a lot of things I like, but there's literally nothing that right. I could think of. But I, I, Cindy, just really quick, I had a one night, uh, one time I was uh, on a, on a, mission trip it was in in the states but it was a mission trip and i was with some friends and and you know that time right before sleep and awake where sometimes i feel like those are the times where god yeah, the speaks, twilight. yeah it speaks to me like the most profoundly and i looked on my left arm and i had this list tattooed right on my forearm mm -hmm. and it was it was in a bunch of different languages but at the bottom was my wife then girlfriend she was my girlfriend and it said bride. And I realized that every single one of those said bride on them. And it was in different languages, but the last one was in English and it was in my wife's handwriting. So wow. I don't know if you have an interpretation of that. Well, it was a dream, right? Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was like, I, yeah. A twilight mm -hmm. dream. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, you know, well, God will speak to you about, um, about coming events, about your future and different mm -hmm. things like that. You know, it's in Job. Uh, 36 and or 34, I think. And um, it says, you know, God speaks one way than another, but man doesn't perceive it in a dream mm -hmm. and a vision in the night. He'll guide your path. He'll, he'll show you what to do. He'll keep you back from the pit, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, so yeah, he's going to give you, uh, this is, I'm, let me say this about um, big decisions. Anytime you're going to make a big decision, in this case, getting married, God's going to make sure that you understand that's his plan. And he will do that through many different ways. It will be very personal to you. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And he'll confirm it out of the mouth of two or three or more. He'll confirm it out of his word. He'll confirm it in a dream. He'll confirm it where you know it's, it's sealed on your heart, where it's not going away. And you know that's God's plan for you. Mm -hmm. And it will succeed anytime we're in God's plan, it's going to succeed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I think that's what that was for you. It's like, yeah. you know, when Tim and I were going to get married, I mean, I didn't even like, I, I liked him. I just thought he was weird. You know, <laughs> I mean, I did because we're so opposite. I mean, yeah. you couldn't get that's any great. more opposite than us two. We're, he is all like, you know, every T is crossed, every I is dotted, every this and that. And I am like all over the map. I'm, I'm like mm -hmm. fly by the seat of my pants. I was always, you know, um, he was, in fact, he's the one who probably prayed me out of more things than, than, you know, oh. but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but we had many different, uh, confirmation things when it was time. Cause anytime you have a big decision, I've noticed this, that, uh, on the streets, interpreting dreams for people, uh, the number one uh, dream is teeth falling out. And when yeah, teeth, I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah. When, when teeth are falling out, it usually is an it's a heads up for me that okay, you're getting ready to make a big decision, and you don't have the information that you need because you're going to swallow something whole if you don't have teeth. Mm. So um, it's it's like God's trying to get your attention. Pay attention. Make sure that you have all the details. Make sure it's the right timing. Make sure it's the right person. Make sure it's a contract that is going to. If you're going to sign one that it's going to benefit you and it's not going to put you in a, a bind or take you in a different direction. Um, and, uh, you know, just we had all kinds of confirmation 
Uh, Tim was uh, at a, a conference at Christ for the Nations in Dallas. I was here in Dallas, but we weren't, you know, together. And he, uh, a roommate walked in during that conference time and said to Tim, hey, I have a verse for you. And it is, um, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. My mother, who never dreams, I never heard her tell me one dream ever, ever. You know, she was a bass fisherman. She was just an outdoors. <laughs> she was That's an great. outdoors, right? My mom would take us to the lake. My dad would take us to the mall. It was weird. Yeah. Um, we just had one of those families. And um, she had a dream about the time that this this guy walked in and told Tim that scripture. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I had a dream this morning that you uh, you married Tim McGill and moved to Salt Lake City. And at that time, Tim was living in Salt Lake Wow. And I'm like, what? Then my one of my best friends said, Why don't you why don't you marry Tim McGill? And I was like, What that came <laughs> off of what wall? You yeah. Know? Uh-huh. So we went up, I went to Salt Lake to visit, and we went and took a, a hike uh up at the Alter Ski Resort. And the, it was summer, so there was no snow. And we sat down just to look at the mountains. And he put his left hand down and right where he put, I mean, of all the places he could have put his left hand down, there was a ring, a wedding ring. And he has fat fingers and (laughs) he does. And he picked this thing up and looked at it and put it on and it fit him perfectly. Wow. So God, like I said, when it's a time of big decisions, God's going to give you a lot of confirmation. Yeah. He's going to give you the understanding about what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, tattoo reading. Let's get back to that for a second. Yeah. We went After way, that little rabbit trail, we you know, it was, it, was good. Way, it was good. We're like, what happened to tattoos? Yeah. Um, people have a fit about tattoos and they come up with all these scriptures out of context and they start trying to label people with them. Mm-hmm. And number one, it's not your body. Number two, it's all about them and God. It's sometimes people, because I know their heart, which God looks on the heart. Okay, let's just say that. God looks on the heart. He doesn't look on the flesh. He doesn't look on any of this. He looks on the heart. And I noticed that when people um, have a loved one that has passed away or something like that, they sometimes will get a, a, a remembrance. They will do something radical like that, like get a tattoo of that name because of they of of what that person meant to them yeah. in this lifetime mm-hmm. and it is like um an honorarium it's like something that reminds them of this person or that thing or something that uh, many so many times i have gone to look at a tattoo and i know Doug Addison does this too we look at tattoos and there'll be flowers and a hummingbird and there'll be this and that. And I'll go, oh, this is a memorial to your mom who passed. And they're like, oh, my gosh, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. You know, because flowers, they open up and they bloom and they have a fragrance. And the hummingbirds are the ones that come and they 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 uh, show off, you know, are they, they're very simple. They're gentle and they, they're honeysuckers, you know, mm-hmm. they, they love the sweet. And so it just was a little tip off to me, you know, and, and I'm almost always right. When I see that kind of thing, it's somebody 
a, mostly a mom or something. And so I kind of looked at it like this. I looked at it like, okay, they're doing a tattoo on their body as a memorial or something. Not always, but in this case. Um, and then I went and looked over at the temple at Burning Man, which is not a Christian temple. It's a pagan temple. But people, because they are spiritually starving and they have nowhere to have an outlet to grieve or to write a tribute or to make a, a contribution to the life of someone who's no longer here, they would write that their feelings or their heart on the wall of the temple. Okay. In marker in a marker. And so they were, they were purging. Do you remember when Jesus was walking among the disciples and they didn't even know it was him and he had, he had risen. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, why are you grieving? And they said, haven't you heard? Didn't you know? And basically what he was doing is he was saying, pour out your heart, pour out your heart. Let, you know, tell me, tell me about this. In other words, he was coaxing them. He was saying to them, pour out your heart, get this out of you because it's grief and it's sadness and it's hurt. And it's something that you feel like you can't get past. And so I've noticed very similar to someone writing something on the wall at the temple because they have no church. They don't have an altar. They don't have a place to go and make a sacrifice or any of those things. They don't go to church. Okay. They'll get a tattoo in memorial of, in memory of, you'll see it on the back of trucks mm -hmm. in memory of, you'll see it on highways where people have had accidents and they lost a loved one. And then there's these flowers, there's a cross, you know, you've driven down the highway and you've seen these kinds of things. People need a place to pour out their heart. They have to have a place to pour out their heart. They don't know what to do. And so, um, and so that's oftentimes what I find with some of the tattoos. Some of them are in flat out rebellion, you know, of what they were, what they went through. Um, some of them are, uh, I went into a tattoo uh, store when I first started doing this. And I was flipping the posters back and forth, looking at stuff, you know, and I thought, I just want to see what's out there, you know, and there was one that was a demon. I knew it was a demon. And I said to a girl, he, she, she was a missionary and she was with me at that time. She was from Thailand. And I said, that one has visited me. Wow. I knew it was, I knew it was a demon and, but they had it. So a lot of these things are images of spiritual things that you just don't see every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I'm tattoo reading or anything like that, and I see something on someone, I will ask permission like a demon. Okay. Or whatever they've got that's demonic. Okay. I will ask permission. I go, can I put my finger on there? I just want to, I want to read this. I want to look at this because now they've taken the time. Remember this, it's a value system. They've taken the time to go get that thing. And it meant something to them. Of all the things they could have picked out, they picked that out. Mm -hmm. So I'll go, can I put my finger on that and just trace it? I just want to, I just want to read it close. And when I'm doing that, 
this is this will be in field guide my book field guide when i'm doing that i'm canceling the power that it has over them hmm. so i'm literally because i believe that god said i can lay my hands on the sick and they will recover and i have the power and authority to take authority over all the works of the devil. That's what Jesus told mm -hmm. us to do, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. No. no, you're 100% right. And so I'm taking authority. I'm taking the authority that God gave us. We've talked about this a few times. And I put my hand on that tattoo or I'll put my finger on that tattoo and I'm canceling whatever kind of thing. So now it can't talk to them. It can't disturb them. It can't. It can't get past what God is going to set them free from. It also tells me where they thought they were headed and I can give them a brand new future, very similar to true reflections or, you know, a, a, a new uncharted path, a pathway for them, an authentic organic path for them. Mm -hmm. So we can start to tell them, you know, what they're made for instead of what they settle for. Yeah. And um, so we just use it to our advantage. But it also, it's personal. It's personal. So I'm not just shooting from the hip. I'm actually looking at it going, okay, thinking all things. You took the time to do this. You spent money to do this. Yeah. You went through pain to do this. You... You know, you you chose these colors and this this uh, artist and whatever, and it took you so long to heal. You know, and um, so I'm going to get a look at it and see how to flip it around. Basically, you know, how to yeah. flip it around. Whatever Satan means for evil, God will turn it for good. So, all right, well, that's where you thought that's where your broken spots were that's where you parked at your pain but this is what you've got to look forward to and mm -hmm. i've known a number of people who've had tattoos in their broken spots and when they were in pain and then they got born again supernaturally through a dream through somebody talking to them at the right time right or, what, or whatever and they had all this demonic looking stuff on them and they went back to a tattoo artist and they had it revised. Yeah. See, that's the, that's the other side of this, Cindy, that I was just thinking about. So I'm glad you brought that up because people who are like, Oh, if you have a tattoo, then you're going to hell. Cause God said, doesn't know them. There's a lot of things that people do. Those <laughs> people that are accusing people of like tattoos, the things like, Jesus never said <laughs> that. Yeah. That I'm like, no one is, is innocent of that, but also, if say someone is covered in demon tattoos and mm -hmm. they give their life to the Lord, mm -hmm. according to the logic of God hates tattoos and you're going to hell if you get a tattoo, if they're covered in demon tattoos and they're now a born again believer and they mm -hmm. want to redeem those tattoos, are they then going to hell with that logic, them covering them? Because a lot of people would go, yeah, cover it up. I'm like, okay, well, what is it? Are, are you are you pro tattoo or are you just pro content of tattoo like so to me it's like there's just a, there's a lot of traps you get into when you look at it and just go 
God hates tattoos and you're going to hell. And I've heard that so many times. from people. It's so sad. Yeah. Because first off, who are they to decide? Right. And number two, God looks on the heart. Exactly. He so, doesn't see as man sees. He looks on the heart. He knows why they did it. Right. You know, that's like yeah. a child. It's like a child does something and they do something that's destructive and they do something that, you know, is, is permanent. And it's, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, what have you, and, and do you come up and do you begin to shame and judge them? Because Jesus is the shame taker mm -hmm. and he's the one who bore all of our sin on the cross. I mean, it's like, he's, he covers you. He loves you and he covers you mm -hmm. and he's going to redeem that's he is the redeemer. He's going to redeem you and bring you into a place. And oftentimes it's like, you know, your, your, um, your test will become your testimony. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes people will, their kids are out doing all kinds of stuff. And I've heard different pastors. I like this. They say, well, they're making their testimony, uh -huh. <laughs> you know? So yeah. regardless of what it is, they're going to be able to relate to people that, that people that are untattooed and that are religious will never relate to. Mm -hmm. And if we don't start showing the love of God above our judgment and above our, our slanted and narrow mindedness and our, um, our, you know, when G when Jesus saw the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, they threw her down in front of him. Remember? Yeah. You know where his position was? Right down there with her. He squatted down. Mm -hmm. He didn't stand up with the other guys. He squatted down. He he identified with her with her shame. And he covered her in it. Yeah. And if we don't start doing that and stop this nonsense of telling people that they're going to hell when you're not number one, you're not the savior. Mm -hmm. You're not the Holy Spirit junior. You're not the one who knows whether or not they're going to hell. You don't know there. What about the thief on the cross? I mean, yeah. in a moment's time right today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Yeah. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't right. know, but I'm, exactly. I refuse to announce or pronounce a hell sentence yeah. on anyone. I don't know that it's ever worked. I mean, I, I can, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I have never once heard someone, and look, someone listening to this, they might, they may look, well, actually, I do know somebody, but I've, in all my years of discipleship, in all my years of, uh, you know, meeting thousands of people, I've never wa once met one person who was like, and this one person, they told me I was going to go to hell and that I needed Jesus. And in that moment, I... I turned and I about faced and I followed him. I personally don't know any Cindy. Maybe you've met a person <laughs> or two. I don't know, but I've never met anybody that that's worked on. It you doesn't know. work. I haven't met anyone either. Well, there and you most go. people stay away from church because they feel judged. Yeah. They feel yes, judged. That's true. They, they yeah. feel like if I go in there and I've got tattoos, they wear they wear really long sleeve stuff in the dead of summer when it's hot because uh, they're embarrassed and they're afraid they're going to be, you know, criticized or judged or whatever. And it's like, well, how often then my question would be to the people that judge, how often do you gossip? Right. How often do you sow discord among the brethren, which is an abomination to God? Yeah. How often do you uh, 
you know, do you put yourself in a place of some sort of superior spiritual whatever, and you've forgotten how to love simply? Yeah. And you've forgotten how to love with unconditional love. And we've forgotten that we were we were once sinners. Gosh, Paul said he was chief sinner. He he said I was the worst one of them all. Mm-hmm. And he had an experience with Jesus and it completely turned around and he yep. ended up writing what most of the New Testament. Uh-huh. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And well, who do we think we are? Right. That's well, the other thing. Yeah. I mean, and really, uh, just to kind of out myself, um, even the other day, Cindy, I was walking. I was at, I think I was at Target or something, and um, I saw somebody wearing a mask. And I immediately, <laughs> Cindy, I immediately judged them. And I immediately was like, give me a break. And the Lord immediately was like, you don't know what they're going through. That's right. And I was like, oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're right, Lord. I'm sorry. I repent, you know. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's like if we're not careful, you know, we can we can fall, you know, subject to our our thoughts and and then end up riding the coattails or right riding this wave of judgment and not even realizing. And that's why it's so important to have an active relationship with the Lord because He will convict you like that. Yeah, you know, and we need to. Yeah, so I know I've done it too. Yeah, we and, all have. And I I kind of think that um. You know, honestly, the mask became a security blanket for the um, introverts. Yeah, it still is, I think. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. like, thank God, I don't yeah. have to be seen. I can put this thing on. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have even to wear have makeup. To, you know, I don't I have to interact. Know. Yeah. You know, nothing. And I don't have to brush my teeth. I don't have to do any of it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, we have to see beyond why people do what they do. We have to see that they have they have hurt, they have expression. They've got creativity. They're 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 on a different wavelength about what they feel is valuable. Um, and sometimes, you know, most of the time, I'm telling you, I've I mean, we heard it at the uh, Grammys when you know they did that horrible demonic demonstration, and they oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the uh, young musicians was like, "Hey, I tried religion, but they didn't want me." That was almost word for word what they said. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what we've done. And so we become so stiff minded and we become so um, pharisaical Mm -hmm. in our own ways that we 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 don't see what God sees. God taught me that. He said, look, you don't even think what I think. You don't know what I know. You don't even your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Thank God. These these are people that. These are people that I love. I created yeah. them in my image. Yeah. And um, it was like somebody was talking the other day and they said, you know, they're in the garden, right? Adam and Eve. And they were made in the image of God. And Satan came and said, hey, if you eat of this fruit, you become like God. Well, they were already like I God. Know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's like this, this whole twisted thing and, and this whole I'm more s- spiritual than you. I'm more uh, insightful than you. I know the scripture more than you. I know, uh, you know, whatever it might be. That is called spiritual pride. Yeah. And the moment that you start walking in that, it is a stench in God's nostril because he said, I will resist the proud and I'm going to give my grace to the humble. So we have to start 
looking at things like God looks at it and God will convict our hearts. I know I've been convicted a million times for things I thought, things I saw, things that, you know, my first knee jerk, like yesterday, it was Tim's birthday and we went to a restaurant and the person who was the put your name on the list kind of thing uh, had, it was a guy with makeup on like eyeshadow, Mm. eyelashes, the whole thing. Tim looked at me and said, was that a guy or a girl? I said, I think it's transgender. I think mm. it's a transgender. But mm. I mean, it took me a minute, you know, and, and I'm sure my face, I have a pretty readable face, you know, and I'm like, yeah, and yeah, but I was just trying to figure out, you know, well, I know okay, I, where, yeah, I where are you at? Thing. And, yeah. um, and I said, do you want him to come sing happy birthday? To you? Yeah. <laughs> well, what I run into yeah. issues is I say dude to everything. Yeah. And so uh, I don't mean it as I was getting to know this. And I say, man, I don't know, man. Like just as in a thing, even if I'm talking to women, uh, but. Um, or even friend. Yeah. And so I remember I was talking to this, this transgender um, woman. Um, and I kept saying, dude, and I had to clarify, I'm like, just to let you know, I say dude to everything. That's right. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's just, so yeah, because, it, I, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I mean, that'll, that's what we have to do. And, yeah. and it's a sad thing. You know, you don't want to have to do that. You want to call them out and go, come on. Yeah. Um, but you have to bring it a different way. Yeah. You when have were to bring... you abused? You yeah, know, it's like, that's or, not, it's just well, like, oh, that's not. Yeah. yeah not or, or, or just like, wow, you know, um, sometimes I see things about people and you go yeah. way past their outward appearance. You go way past their uh, reason for doing it. You go way, way past their, um, their now uh, solidified thought process of, what they think they are and how they've been mistreated or whatever. And you go, I just read people sometimes. And, and, you know, I read, I see things over people. I see good stuff. Like I, I can see kind of through and they're, and I'm like, can I, can I tell you what I see Hmm. and and get permission? And they'll either say yes, or they'll say no. And almost all the time they'll say, they'll, they'll kind of size me up a little bit. And they're thinking, I maintain a judgment-free zone. Okay. I purposely maintain a judgment-free zone. I, I do it on purpose. I'm like, you and you are in a safe spot. I want them to know that. And without ever saying it, I just, I just maintain it. I, I purposely do that. And so now they're like, yeah, tell me what you see. Mm-hmm. And then it'll always be something that goes right to the root of who they really are. And and I, I probably can get away with a lot because I'm a mom and a grandmother mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, I just see the beauty on the inside of you. And I see so many things that, that they're like little buds, but they haven't been watered mm-hmm. in a while and they mm-hmm. haven't really been nurtured and they haven't been able to come out and really bring the fragrance of who you are. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, and they just, they'll, they'll say, can I hug you? And these are, these are people, these are men dressed like women. These are women dressed like men. And they'll just go, can I hug you at the pagan festival? Can I hug you? Can I just give you a hug? And I go, yeah, absolutely. Bring it in, you know? And so I, I just had to say, we have so 
we have so blown it with our with our religious and and our stuck in our ways things you know yeah. and, and go, we're not going to reach people of this generation with an old method it's not going to work yeah this is a whole new era it's a whole new mindset it's they've been lied to by demons and by people and and people that um you know spiritual demonic forces that we have never had we we didn't have that you know yeah and so you know i just i just have to say we're in a different season and we're it's like trying to do an old thing and expect a different result mm -hmm. you'll never it'll never happen yeah never happen um, Cindy, I have a question about, um, tattoos. Cause I just have to know what, have you ever gotten a reading off of someone's like drunk tattoo? They were like, here's the tattoo on my butt. I woke up with it. Like, have you, have you ever gotten like someone who was like, Oh, I got this tattoo when I was drunk. And have you ever gotten a reading off of one of those? I'm just curious. Sure. Yeah, because it doesn't matter um, if mm -hmm. they were drunk, they still picked it out. Yeah, that's true. And so, you know, they just, and then you have to say, why did they put it on their butt? Why did they put yeah. it on their, you know, why is it on your butt? Well, that's because what you're sitting in, you yeah. know, <laughs> you're yeah, sitting in true. this stuff, man, this thing is trying to hold you up or why is it on your leg? It's where you walk. What about your arm? That's your strength. What about your neck? That's your direction. It turns you this way or that way. Why is it on your back? It's past things, you know? Why is it, you know, all it's just, you just kind of have to say, hmm, well, that was in your past and that had something to do with what maybe you'd walk through, but now you're going forward. And so really it's just going to be something that you remember, but it won't have the effect of hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, again, you know, I just, I just believe that God tells us what to do in the moment. And these are things, you remember how he said, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do exceeding abundant above what you could dare ask or think. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you understanding about things that you would have never known on your own. Mm. And I'm going to give it to you in the moment. And that's how Jesus operated. It was always in the moment. And, um, and there's things that will come to my mind that I have no idea. Like I, I it makes no sense to me. Like uh, I was out on the streets. I think it was, I think it was at Venice beach. I, it seems like it was at Venice Beach and I started walking towards somebody and I saw a kangaroo. And I'm like, well, I'm at Venice Beach. I don't know that they're yeah. going to have a kangaroo out here, you know. Or they're like, maybe they're from Australia. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, they were. Oh. And, mm -hmm, and I said, oh, gosh, it was the weirdest thing. So they, they're, they're, they're like, okay, what? And I said, I saw a really weird thing over you. Can I tell you what it is? And they said, what? And I said, I saw a kangaroo. And he goes, well, I'm from Australia. And I said, do you have a tattoo of a kangaroo? And he goes, no, but I have a koala bear oh. on my back. So the kangaroo was the lead in to the mm -hmm. koala bear. And I thought, oh, so, you know, and koala bears, uh, I went to Australia actually, and I did hold them and they get drunk on eucalyptus. I don't know if you know that. I didn't they're, know that. They're I, knew not, they ate, I knew they ate it. Well, they're not happy. They're not happy little things unless they're drunk. <laughs> and then they'll eat the eucalyptus and they'll fall out of the tree. Because oh. you went to one of those parks, you know. And I thought, oh, so you're actually, you're, you're a very loving person. It's just that you've got these prickly spots 
that you, you know, you, cause their, their fur is not soft. Like you'd see, like, Oh, I didn't know that. It's like really it's, coarse. It's coarse. And I go, you, you just have a great big heart, but you've got all this uh, prickly fur around you. So you don't let two pe- you don't let people get in very close. And he goes, God, how do you know that? And I said, <laughs> well, because I know about koala bears because I went to, you know. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. And so we just had a conversation and it was completely like not, it wasn't heated. It wasn't weird. And, and he was engaged hmm. in the con, con conversation. And again, a kangaroo had no, I had no reference in my mind about what that, what that would even mean. Right. And, um, and yet God knew he's, yeah. you know, cause he just, this is the other thing, you know, he who sits in the heavens laughs and we've forgotten how to laugh. Mm-hmm. We've forgotten how to have fun. We've forgotten how to play with each other and tease each other. And we've forgotten everything is an offense. Everything has got, you know, um, you know, some kind of, of, well, Jesus or God or whatever, because everyone's so triggered right yeah. now about all the negative stuff going down. Even Christians. Um, I know. And, Even you know, Christians. I remembered, um, I think it was back when I was at, um, in Bible school and there was somebody that was really, really sick. And they said, they had gone to, they, you know, heard the faith message and different things like that. And, and somebody came into the room and said, I'm going to start playing. Um, I love Lucy and um, Laurel and Hardy and all of these comedic, you know, slapstick comedy in your room. It was a nurse that started doing that and they put them all. And the guy was laughing so hard that, his body began to respond to healing. Well, well, well. Because a merry heart does good like a medicine. Mm-hmm. And he, it took his mind off of his pain and off of his seemingly un, unhealable situation. And when he was laughing, because it, conti- it was continuous, mm-hmm. it was always these funny slapstick comedy things. And he was laughing so hard that pretty soon, his body began to heal from the inside out. And we have forgotten that a merry heart does good like a medicine. And so we can't even joke with people anymore. We can't even put anything up. You know, I do it on purpose on my social media, just to, just to get a response. I'm like, you know, like, Oh, for Pete's sake, you know, calm down everybody. Calm down. If yeah. God's not in control, we're screwed anyway. So yeah, really, you know, yeah, and, God and doesn't he, need our us to be, you know. Look, there's a time to look sternly at something, but there are some people who've taken a a a permanent posture of that for no reason. I, I mean, know. maybe it's like past pains or trauma or whatever. You know, I'm not trying to diminish yeah. that, but but I do think that christians should be known for their joy and there's also like i think i could uh, that's the other thing cindy i could say that and a hundred percent of christians would hear me say that and go yes we agree but then the definition of what's required of you in order for you to have authorization to have joy is like suddenly people become the moral police and they're like you can't laugh at that you can't do this you can only do this you know how can you you know 
you're in sin because you like this thing. And I'm like, well, there you go. And there's your judgment coming out. Right. Like they're Holy spirit junior. Right. They've got, they've got, they have the say they have the right. They have to find some scripture out of context and bring it in and slap Mm -hmm. it up on you. And you're like, I just laugh at them because I'm out there, man. I would rather be out there than be in a stuffed up stick up the butt church. And that's the honest truth. It's like, I am so done with people who they just, everything's got to be, well, that's so much. That's the worst misuse of scripture I've ever heard. And I'm like, well, so when did you become a theologian? Yeah. And how long have you studied? And what is this? And why are you coming at me sideways? You know, it's like, go and and enjoy, you know, give your information to other uh, sour faced, bitter people who want to hear what you have to say, but the rest of the world doesn't need it. And it's like, we've got to stop it. We have to stop it. The whole face of the church has got to change. And we have to start being more, more freely open. If we see God laugh, if God says he who sits in the heavens laughs, he knows what's coming. Right. If he's laughing at people's, the enemy's plans, the enemy's plans, then let that sink in. If he's laughing at the enemy's plans, that should give us actually great comfort, number one, especially yeah. with everything that's happening today. But yeah. also like the posture we should take as well, that there is room to laugh, obviously, at the enemy. But then if God's laughing at the enemy, that means that he knows that there's nothing they can do to stop what he's going to do, which should bring a measure of safety to us to go, all right, maybe there's some time for some levity. Maybe there is some time to to laugh at fart jokes and, and you know, whatever, <laughs> which I do everybody. I yeah. do. All right. Yeah. I remember you saying that. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. So does my grandson. Yeah. See all there three of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's interesting because um, I can remember early on starting to do dream interpretation. I think it was at the 2002 winter Olympics in Salt Lake. And I was screwing up the dream so bad. It was so bad. I mean, I, I was so off course and I had no idea what I was doing. And the, the people were getting squeamish, like they wanted to get away from me. And I literally heard God laugh. <laughs> he was laughing at me. Mm-hmm. He was laughing at me like, this is fun. Like, yeah. this is so much fun. Just You'll get it you. eventually. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I started laughing. And I was like, oh, no, you know, I, I told him, I said, look, I'm not good at this. And I just trying to, you know, to do something here. And they were like, well, we were fixing to get up and leave because we thought you're just this is not your deal. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. I just um, I can just remember that because it was I literally heard him laugh. And I thought, I know he does that. I know he laughs at us when we're trying so hard and, you know, because he loves us so much, just Mm -hmm. think of your little kids and think of kids trying to do something and they're trying so hard, you know, to get the, to get the, um, the lid on something, or they're trying to put the little blocks together, or they're trying to, you know, open the cabinet, or they're trying to put the bowls in, you know, in certain order. Uh, I'm watching my little grandson. He's not even two yet. And I'm thinking, this is funny because he gets so frustrated and he gets to, he gets to a point where he just starts throwing, <laughs> the, you know, throwing 
this stuff because it's not lining up. It's not coming together, you know. Mm, and I thought yeah. we just we just laugh right with him, you know. And I That's... think we've just forgotten how to do that. But yeah. with you know with tattoo readings, anything like that, uh, you've got several things that that in order for healing to take place, we have to be a safe place. Remember, I told you, I I purposely maintain myself to try and be in a judgment free zone. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to think I'm judging them because if it weren't for the grace of God, I would be in the same boat. I would be doing the same thing. I would be having, I have meltdowns. I have breakdowns. I have all these different things. And so I'm just trying to stay in a judgment free zone where people yeah. can feel like, okay, I can talk to her, you know, yeah. like she's not going to judge me. She's not going to shame me. She's not going to make me feel bad about myself. She's not worried about, you know, the outward appearance. She's not worried about what happens there. And a tattoo is not going to keep you from heaven. That's just ridiculous to even think that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, what about uh, people that have got piercings and they've got all kinds of things? What about these big gauges that they put in their ears, you know, Mm -hmm. and all their earlobes are hanging way, way down now. And those things don't go back. You know, you have to have surgery to get those back to where they were. Yeah. Yeah. And so God is like, you know. In, in, a, in a time of pain, in a time of expression, in a time of self-identity, in a time of trying to figure out what you are, who you are, why you are like you are, and you have no spiritual guidance, if you do, it's probably somebody that, you know, is either very religious or they're just uh, out there, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, they're like, uh, yeah. um, they're they're into all kinds of new agey things or some kind of thing but um but god is not going to send people to hell because of what they do to their body they he understands their pain he looks on their heart well he looks on their heart man looks at the in the outward appearance of god looks at the heart you know he does so and so and and i i think it's it's offensive it's almost like a stench it's a repellent to people i mean i'm out there saying Oh, well, you know, um, I'm a follower of Jesus and that's where my information comes from. And, you know, it's my story and it's whatever. And then I think, well, where can I send them? Where can I send them to get further trained or to have some sort of thing? And I think what's happening right now is there's, there's, there's something that's, we're going to have to start creating and it's, it's, it's just smaller communities where people can come together. And they can have community, they can have food together, kind of like simple church, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's acts two. Yeah. It's where people came together, they broke bread, they went from house to house, they repented, you know, and it says that God, because it was a safe, judgmental free zone, God added to the church daily, those who were being saved, because they could feel that they were not going to be judged, and they weren't going to be criticized, and they weren't going to be beat over the head with Bible. Um, in order for them to understand something, you know, God taught me the word because I read it. And when I read it, it made sense to me and nobody, I mean, I went to Bible school, but you know, they broke it down a little bit, but mostly mine came from personal relationship. Mm -hmm. It just came from sitting there and, and asking God, well, what does this mean? Or where do I go? Or what does this look like? You know, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I invested. And right now, the one thing that God's looking for because it'll change us. Okay. We need to hear this. This will change us. God's in the process of changing us right now. He's getting a bride ready for himself. 
without spot or wrinkle, right? He's getting a bride ready. And um, it will change us if we can spend time with him. If we'll get intimate with God, if we'll just let him talk to us and calm the heck down. Mm -hmm. It's like, just calm down. If you have a problem, go in front of him and, and sit there and shut up and let God talk to you and let you him go. talk to you. Yeah. Because sit we there have, and shut up, sit there and shut up and let him talk to you. Cause he yeah. is, he's talking right now Yeah, and he's, he's just trying to get us to knock it off. We have got ourselves in such a fizz and so, you know, anyway, it's, it's just gotten to where it's almost the world is laughing at us, you know, and they shouldn't be, they should be running to us. And I understand it. There's, there's these, you know, big groups that are gathering. There's, you know, the Jesus movement came out. There's an awareness that is starting to develop um, because he's getting ready to do something else. But really what, what they're looking for is they're looking for love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, and we can looking, give it guys. We yeah, can absolutely give it. Well, we need it. Yeah. We need love. We need acceptance and forgiveness, you know, yeah. and we need to be able to say, okay, well, gosh, you know, I, I, um, I'm sorry. And you identify, you can even, you can even say, I'm, I am so sorry that you had to go through that. Like, wow. And you, you, you give attention or you give, uh, you validate their, their pain. I'm sorry that you were sexually abused as a kid. Mm -hmm. I am, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I, I'm so very sorry that that happened to you and that there was no one there at that moment, you know, that you felt like, but I'm telling you that God is able and will and is, and I'm standing here telling you that he wants to just repair and restore you back again and make all things new and all things will pass away. And you may have the memory of it, but you won't have the pain. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's good. I just want you to, to be able to realize that you have a new starting place here and that you're going to fulfill your life and whatever came in to try and jeopardize you or cripple you or to, to, to mess you up. Even that's why I said about the kids, you know, mm -hmm. God's going to rescue the kids and they're going to, they're going to have an amazing prophetic anointing come on them. And God is going to restore and he promises even to restore all things that the palmer worm and the canker worm have eaten. He's going to restore the days that were stolen. He's going to take care of things that had been, you have been robbed. Your inheritances were ripped off. You, you were outcast. You were, you were completely shattered by a relationship and someone mistreated you horribly. But God said, there's a new starting place for you. And I'm not going to hold that to your account. And I'm going to gather you up under my wing and I'm going to hold you. And I'm going to cause you to feel the new. I'm going to cause you to feel the love. I'm going to cause you because nothing can stop love. It never 
fails. It doesn't fail. In, in, in the Song of Songs, it says many waters can't quench love. It can't. It's, it, if it tried, it would be utterly despised. It's no way. There's no way it can quench love. Love doesn't have a quenchable uh, thing. It, it's, it just never fails. It is stronger than anything else. And so that's what perfect love is. It's, it's, a, it's a complete overhaul. It's a brand new identity. It's a brand new starting place. It's a brand new place where you're all brand new with no I remember Anne of Avonlea said, well, tomorrow's a new day with no mistakes in it. <laughs> you remember it was a, a I don't remember series. that. Well, that's you know, because you're not I mean, a girl. Right. But, I mean, I know I know that the, the series is, yeah. but I've never watched it to the point but, where I mean, it was like, so yeah. It was like that kind of thing. It was like, yeah. hey, tomorrow's a brand new day with no mistakes in it. Mm-hmm. It was optimism. Mm-hmm. It had it had a, the ability to say okay, yeah, I went through some really crappy things. You know, I went through some really bad things. I went through some things that were absolutely devastating to me, but I can, I know that I I am now completely different. I'm a brand new person. I don't, none of that stuff is held to my account. You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody and I said, okay, so we're supposed to bear one another's burden, right? And fulfill the law of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. But I said, what if, we cast our burdens and our cares on God because he cares for us. Right. So I go to somebody and I'm like, okay, I'm going to help you bear your burden. And they said, well, but I cast my burden on God. So I don't have any burdens. Well, then I don't have any burdens either. So now we can't carry one another's burdens because we don't have them. (laughs) Mm. I know it's simple, but it was Mm. like, that's kind of cool. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you cast your burdens on him and I cast mine on him. So we don't have each other's burdens. Like I don't have anything because I just sat there. I shut up. I listened to God and everything was made new. Right. And I think too, there's another element to that as well. Cause sometimes we do like, you will come alongside people and especially if they're really going through something rough and there is going to be those, that moment of bearing that burden with them yeah, right. as they get to a place to where they can cast it on God. Yeah, for and sure. Like that's uh, it's costly to do that, but it's very rewarding to be that for people. Right. Um, right. But obviously you want to make sure that you're not, doing that so that you don't have to face your own stuff yeah, right that's also like there's all that's a whole nother thing but but i mean uh, there there is that repentance and there is that place where you come to where you come to the realization that every single day god can make all things new yeah come on that's good i mean that's every good single word. day god makes all things new not just yeah. once he just doesn't one it's not a one and done mm-hmm. it's every single day god makes all things new so let's do that Let's do that. Let's let's let him make all things new. And when it comes to tattoos and stuff like that, that's their art. And 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 sometimes, oftentimes, that will tell me something about a person. So it's kind of like a no-brainer word of knowledge. It'll it'll show me, oh, this so you went through this, or you went through that, or you went through some, you know, traumatic things, or they'll even tell you, you know, um, like I, I um just recently I posted a little video of a lady who did a testimony, she and her husband, and I've never met this, this couple, but they read words that work and they decided they were going to do tattoo reading and they were going to use words that work. And she was chickened out on the first try 
it's on my uh, social media. I think it might be on my YouTube too. And um, so then the second time she went to a restaurant and there was a waitress and she said, okay, I'm going to ask if I can interpret her tattoo. And she saw three or four things. And with each one, it brought the wall down on this waitress so that she was able to have conversation with her. And the husband uh, piped up and said, um, if we had said God or Jesus, it would have shut her down. She hmm. was not in a place to hear that. What she needed was validation hmm. for being a person. Yeah. Make sure wow. that people are, are seen. Make sure that they're valued. And make sure that they have security. Yeah, that's really good. Make sure that they're seen. People need to be seen. A lot of times they do this kind of stuff because they don't get attention. They're trying to get attention. Yeah. So they do this kind of stuff. So they were not seen. They were not valued. They weren't invested in. They weren't given any time to, to have someone come alongside them and say, okay, let's talk to me. Talk to me about your, about your situation. What are you going through right now? You know, mm -hmm. um, and make sure that they're secure, make sure that they have security and that, that you're a safe place and that they can come to you again and talk to you if they need to. Um, and that's, what's missing with some of these kids that are going off the rails and, and they're, they're having, you know, there's an attack. I mean, they're being fueled by hell, but mostly they've been neglected. They weren't nurtured. They weren't talked to. They weren't even given attention because all the parents were so wrapped up in their own stuff that they weren't giving their attention to their kids and they weren't training them up in the way they should go because they weren't trained up in the way they should go. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you know what we're seeing right now? What I'm seeing right now is that some of these young kids are like, I don't want a jacked up family. I want to know what it is to be a husband to a wife and live all these years. And Tim and I've been married. This will be 44 years. Come on now. This this year. And there's other couples that have been married even longer than us. And and they're like, how did you do it? How did you get through it? How did you how did you go through? And I thought we had to weather the storms. We had to go through the storms together. Right. And together we found out how we could navigate it and come out on the other side. Yeah. And and there were some, you know, there were some rocky places. Sure. But we had to make choices voices along the way, all the way along that we're not going to screw up. We're not going to have affairs. We're not going to, yeah. you know, beat each other down. We're not going to, you know, and now people are saying, I want to know what it's like to have a family. I mean, if you think about the, the, um, short little sitcom things that we had to grow up with, they were all family oriented. There was mm -hmm. father knows best. There was, um, there was, um, Ozzie and Harriet, you know, and there was leave it to beaver. There was all these things that all had to do with family sky King, even, you know, he was a pilot and he had a son and uh, we had flipper and we had, you know, but everything was around a family. And a lot of times in those uh, sitcoms, they would have, when they sat down at a dinner table, they had prayer together. Yeah, they did. Okay. So that's what we were raised with, but that's what pe people are looking for. History always repeats itself. Yeah. And so now you're looking at, you know, the, the, the movies even that have the, the, the most attendance have to do with, oh my gosh, that's healthy. There's health there. You yeah. know, there's something that is good. 
Well, and what's interesting, speaking of movies, is that there have been a lot of movies and TV shows lately that are really resonating with people that actually give a healthy view of uh, a, a, a complete family. Uh, so like one of the one of the biggest, highest grossing movies of all time, Avatar 2, uh, that came out in December was all about family. And it wasn't emasculating the uh, the man it was like the, the father character in it was very much a man very masculine mm-hmm. you know they didn't clip his wings so that they could uplift someone else and it's really resonating with people the value yeah. of family and being together and that's that's the message that god is is speaking right now even right. and and i always tell people on the show that like god's going to speak that in the places where people are looking most which is definitely the arts and entertainment oh yeah absolutely so you know i i think people's reaction when they they were part of a screwed up family and life for a better term is is there's kind of three options you have which is to perpetuate that throughout you know subsequent um generations right to carry on that bad behavior not knowing that there's any other way or uh, the, the old adage of the best way to play is to not play at all. So then people just go, no, I'm not going to be in any kind of committed relationship or there are people that go, no, I want the real thing. And I know there's got to be a real thing. Yeah. And they, that's why I think us as believers, especially those that have strong marriages, uh, healthy families, um, that are together. Um, I think that's why it's so important to be out in the world and and giving that as an example, because there are people that really want that. And it's obvious we're seeing it in the arts and entertainment industry. We're seeing these themes come up of family and being together. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's even more of a call to to us as believers or people that have healthy relationships is to be out in the world and is to be available for people to see and go, Whoa, you've been together for 40 plus years. How in the world did you do that? You know, you know what? It's funny. Um, Denise and Ray Hughes are good friends of ours and we went on a cruise together uh, a few years back. And um, we, at the cruise places where they stop, they always uh, take you to shore, right. Mm -hmm. In the different spots, you have like three of them or something. Yeah. And so every time we got off the boat, Ray and Denise were right there. So we just ended up hanging out with them and whatever. And um, we ended up with a young married couple. They were on their honeymoon. And they were like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're on our honeymoon. And at that time, Tim and I had been married about 30, I don't know, 30 something years. And and Denise said, well, we've been married 41 (laughs) years or something. And they were said, can we can we have lunch together? So Ray and Denise and Tim and I sat down at this table with this young couple and uh, we spent the whole day with them Mm. talking about how we got through certain things, you know, or how our, our marriages were. And they were taking in all of it. You talk about, it was almost like um, they'd found a golden treasure Mm. because they're on their honeymoon. They're just starting out and they're like, how did you do it? Like my parents are divorced. Her parents are divorced and you guys have been together all these years. And I want to know how I want to know, what did you do? Like they asked questions and then we ended up going on a glass bottom boat together. And then we saw them again and they came and sat at our table, you know, Mm -hmm. on the boat. 
And um, we were like, this is what people are hungry for. Like they, they, they just, they just don't see that often. And um, so we were able to just talk really normally to them. And then, you know, of course we gave them uh, some words of knowledge and told them about God and, uh, you know, our whole center is around God. I mean, we, he's the, he's the main, he's the main one, right? So we were able to do that and they were like, oh my gosh, I, I want that. Like, I don't want to live, I don't want to be married and not have God as a center because I know it's the anchor mm-hmm. and he's going to, and we said, yeah. And, and it was as if they, I, I think they got saved. I think they got saved and then they wanted uh, to know, okay, I'm going to, I'm starting this journey. This is our, this is our, our journey send off, you know, yeah. is to, to, to have God as the center, as the focus. And um, anyway, it was way cool. And I just think that's going to come back. I do think it's already coming back around. And so, but I think in the church, if we can just drop the judgment, if we can stop the shame, if we can stop this throwing scriptures, it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks. It's, it's to say, well, I'm going to try this and I'm going to pack this, uh, uh, offense or this wrong thing I did, I'm going to throw scripture at it instead of repenting, instead of just humbling yourself and going, you know what, I don't know it all. Um, and I screwed up or I did this or that. You can always go to someone. And Matthew yeah. 18 is a real thing. You go to that person and you go, you know, I have an offense with you and this is what happened. And the person can say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I didn't know. I had done that to you, or maybe I did. And it was in anger and I was mad at that moment and whatever. That's what the Bible is. It's a clear, it's a clear outline step-by-step on what to do. Mm. You go to that person, you ask forgiveness, you, you know, you, you, you tell them your offense. They have an opportunity to then share what was going on in their life at that moment. And then it says, if they don't hear you, if they're still wounded, if they're still hurt, you go and take another with you and you go, you know, I just need to have conversation here for a second. Cause I don't want this. I don't want this bridge bro- blown up between us. I, I want to be able to cross it. And- like what you're hearing, help us continue to make Elijah fire and the Elijah fire podcast possible to get behind this ministry. Visit Elijah slash give now back to the show and have relationship. And, and it's so cool when you can uh, overcome an offense and still have a friendship with someone, you know, and you can go, well, I, I just was in a bad mood. Who isn't in a bad mood sometimes. And who doesn't say I do. I mean, uh, Tim calls it uh, logorrhea. It's diarrhea of the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes to that. Sometimes it's just better, Cindy, if you just don't say anything. Yeah. Hey, that's Um, not, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really good. I, I think too, you know, if if you're looking at people sitting there pointing out, you know, all these all the flaws of everybody and being like, this is a sin and this and blah 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 blah. Um, it, it is a bit like going into a space that um is an absolute mess, and you're you're tasked with going in and cleaning it up. You were yeah. hired to do that job. You need to go in and clean up. And the people that are the people that caused the mess are there. You going and reprimanding the people who caused the mess and just doing that doesn't change 
your job description. Your job description is to go and clean up that mess. Now, obviously, we have help from the Lord, big help from the Lord, recognizing that it's actually his strength, not our own. But you sitting there and pointing at all these things for people doesn't change the fact that you have been tasked with the Great Commission. Right. So regardless of however much you want to sit there and point out, how could you do this? And you're doing this wrong. You did that does not change the fact that we are tasked with, with bringing another way with yeah. that. That is our job description. So yeah, it just, to me, it's like a well, waste most of time. time. Most of the time people are just misunderstood. Sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. a lot of times the, you know, how it comes out was not the motive behind why it came out that way. Yeah. So that's another thing people need to learn. They need to say, okay, let me just understand this because I, I don't want this wedge between us. And this is what I heard you say. And this is what it made me feel like. And I, and, and, um, and then you can say, oh my gosh, no, that wasn't what I meant. Or yeah, you know, I, I was ugly. I mean, you can admit your fault. You can, you can confess it and go, you know, I'm really sorry. I hurt you. I did not want to do that. And you caught me at a bad time. And I just, you know, I just didn't want to do that. So either way, it's a win. If we can just learn how to overcome difficulty and hardship and we can overcome offense um, and, and also not misunderstand what people are saying. If you, if you feel like that something's happened and it's, it's, you know, it's been blasted out there for whatever through text or email or whatever, go to that person. That's what it says to do, not to go to everyone else, because that's gossip. You don't go to everyone else. The Bible says in Matthew 18, you go to them, Right. go to them and find out. And oftentimes the enemy is all about sowing discord among the brethren. He loves to stir it up. He loves to bring division. He loves to come and separate. He loves to get people crossways with each other. He loves, he'll take any opportunity, even a look, even whatever. And it's just, everybody's so hyper uh, on guard and sensitive and freaked out and fearful and everything else right now that we have got to start practicing this and not give him a foothold and not let him win. And um, so if we can do that, we're going to be good. And we'll, you know, we'll just keep moving forward. Uh, and, and, and the, the world will see a different face of the church if we can do that. Yeah. They're going to see a different face and now they're going to want it. They're going to want to come be a part because they're going to see that, oh my gosh, you know, there's a place of help for me. There's a place where I can come and I can, you know, I can get my stuff figured out and I can, I can get help and I can get counsel and I can get prayer and, you know, I, I don't have to live broken and I don't have to live shattered and this horrible thing happened and, you know, and there's horrible things happened. I mean, you know, it's been sad. It's been, it's been a sad thing. That's why I talked about laughter. That's why I talked about, you know, being able to, to not take offense and not be all upset and not be judgmental about people. People have been through some hard stuff. You don't know what they've been through. Yeah. And you don't know, and if they don't have God as an anchor and they don't even know about him or they don't think he's there or their perception of him is so bad that he, they think he causes it all because mm-hmm. um, they do, because the enemy mm-hmm. loves to accuse God of, of all the things he does. 
And um, so now you've got, you know, that's why we're careful when and when and when not to say God, <laughs> because yeah. they think differently about him than we do because we know him. And then it's our also responsibility to get before him and let him sort things out for us. Mm-hmm. So because we've been going through a lot, too. So a lot of the people who have been in ministry for a long time, um, uh, somebody came out. I like their phrase. They called them burnt stones. The burnt stones, the ones that have really paid the price, gone through the heat of the day, gone through the troubled times, gone through things that, you know, we've we've been tested. We've been through the fire. We've been through, you know, having to learn how to overcome, learning how to 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 let things go and learning how to let go of of wrong things that have been done to us and forgive people that did it. I mean, I remember when God said, or Tim said, you know, we need to pray and we need to forgive all these people that did all these things, you know, and we went through a really hard thing. I mean, our denomination closed our church down and all these kinds of things happened and it was not right what happened. And, um, and he said, we need to forgive them. And I said, well, I don't want to, I said, I'm still mad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so when I prayed, I actually said, well, God, I just forgive this one and that one and this one and that one, but I don't mean it. (laughs) I said that. that. And it was almost as if God, he said, I'll take it. Mm. I'll take it. You know, because your heart will follow your choices. It's true. And you're not always (laughs) going to feel that in the moment, even when you're like, okay, I know it's right to forgive this person. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you know, it's not all of a sudden everything's hunky dory. You know, yeah. it's, it's going to be a process of of healing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so um, anyway, it's it's a long, it's a good journey. It's a strong journey. It's yeah. going to get us stronger. And, and as a church, we can do it. We, we can, can do, do it. it. And and we people are already do doing it. There's already people that are doing amazing work and are very loving and yeah. are doing this. You know, and Cindy, you know a lot of those people as well. So, but we can do it, but we gotta, we gotta get up. We gotta keep going forward. Right. We gotta. Yeah. yeah. So Cindy, I would love for you to pray for the, uh, the the listeners. So God, I just want to thank you because you love us. You so love the world. God, you said you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. You gave your only son to die for us. Mm. And God, I just want to thank you that you said you did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world that the world through him could find everlasting life. John 3, 16 and 17. And so, Father, I just want to ask you that you would really circumcise our hearts. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, like, bring bring all the stuff to the surface so that we can get dealt with, we can deal with it, and we can become new. I want to ask you that you would help us become new people every single day, mm-hmm. that all things will become new every day, that tomorrow's a new day with no mistakes in it. And God, that you swallow up all of the hurtful and horrible things that we've done. You take them on yourself and you forgive us and remove it. As far as the east is from the west, you don't remember it anymore. And God, I want to thank you that you bring us into a spirit of repentance, a time where we can sit before you and not talk and just allow you to bring things to our mind and things to our heart that we need to repent of and that we would say, God, we just are sorry. We're just humans and living on the planet and we've done stupid things and wrong things. But God, I'm asking you to, to bring your, to, to seal your heart in our heart that we would operate with your heart, God. 
And I just want to thank you right now that we're, we are no longer going to live as discouraged and disgruntled and sad people because the joy of you, our Lord, is our strength. And you're going to teach us how to laugh again. And you're going to teach us how to have joy again. You're going to teach us how to jump up and down and shout and be excited about the things to come because it is not over. You said it is finished for the devil. It is not finished for us. We get to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. As surely as you live, you said, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And we're just looking forward to that. We're looking for the outpouring of your spirit. We're looking for you, God, to rescue the kids and that to rescue us and to revive those who have been laboring for long periods of time. And they feel weary and they feel discouraged. And we're reminded, God, of Abraham, who was called even at 80 years old to do something he did not think he could do. And yet, God, you did it through him at an older age and you revived him and restored him. So I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you're you're pouring out all things. You're, you're freely giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, God, for resources being poured out, that you're going to resource the works that you have us do and that you're going to cause us to be able to to smoothly move forward in in taking on every assignment that you've given us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature in this time, especially as the great harvest. This is this big outpouring of your spirit. And I just thank you. I, I, I ask you to help us fall in love with you again, again and again and again and again. I ask you to weed out all of the chatter and all of the nonsense and all of the stuff we've been paying attention to and help us focus on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. So I just thank you, God. I thank you for new days. I thank you for new opportunities. I thank you for new strategies. I thank you, Lord, that you just continue to to shed abroad your love in our heart. Right. And we operate from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for uh, sickness and I pray for healing, divine healing for people that are sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're giving us the ability to, to live a a healthy life that we would live in health. Um, It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I know my thoughts toward you says the Lord, not for a calamity, but to prosper you and to give you health and to to give you a vision and a hope in the future days. So I just thank you for that. I, you know, I was thinking, uh, I know it's not prayer, but I was thinking about, we did an outreach to the VA hospital and we went in and um, a lady that we knew, she worked at a florist and when the rosebuds began to open up, they would they were no longer good. You couldn't put them in an arrangement. So we took roses and we wrapped them with a bow on them, right? And we went up to the VA hospital. We did un- wrapped them on a Wednesday night, took them on a Thursday night. And what we found out is we went in and offered a rose and a prayer and they were both free. And so we vo- we went through the volunteer process. We went through the, um, the TB screening and all that, make sure we weren't sick. And this was a few years ago. And, um, what I found out was there were a lot of veterans that their bodies wouldn't respond to healing or they wouldn't respond to medicine. And so 
we got a chair and sat down and had them talk. We said, why don't you talk to me? Just, I'm here. I'm just available. And we, they would start telling us things. One guy said, I'm telling you things I've never told my family. And I said, well, you know, God doesn't hold that to your account. You know, you were in war. This was a, a difficult time for you. And you had to do things that you would never normally not do. You would never do that. And they start weeping and they would cry. And they and I said, God forgives you. You're forgiven. You, it's no longer held into your account. And they, and the, the next time we went in, they said, did you know that when you come up here and when you do that and you sit and you talk with them and they release all that poison and all of that false guilt and shame from their body, their bodies actually respond to the medicine and they get better and they go home. And I thought, you know, forgiveness is a weapon. Forgiveness is a weapon against every kind of illness and every kind of thing. And we, if we can learn to practice forgiveness and, and, and help others come out with it and then let Jesus talk to them and tell them you're forgiven. You know, this is a repentance moment. You're not even held. God's taking that and wiping your slate clean. You don't have to carry that anymore. Their bodies would get better and they would go home. Wow. And I was like, this is so, this is going in field guide. This is part of the, you know, it's different areas. the next book she's writing, by the way, everybody. Yeah, field guide. It'll be, it'll be practical tools. You know, words that work was the, um, Words that work brings the heart of God. It's the why. Words that work is the why. And field guy would be the how-to. Hmm. It's the how-to. So, because we've been in so many different arenas and we've we've learned so many things, especially about this culture and about woke culture and about people that just have been in post-traumatic stress. They've just been traumatized. And then how to build your team where you don't have trauma bonds with the people that you're talking to so that you get the, your team healed as well. Yeah. So anyway, good. everything will be, it's, it's, I'm hoping to get it out before June. I've got, okay. I've got Soon. it. I know. And Come so on now, yeah. Okay. It'll be a real good one. It'll be a real easy, uh, practical guide for any outreach that you want to do and be successful at it. So what, how, how can people kind of track when you, are going to make those announcements on social media on your I website. Will. Okay. I will, I will have it on social media. I have it on my website Awesome. Uh, right now. Of course we still have work. If you haven't got words at work, read it. Oh my goodness. Link is in the description, everybody. It's really yeah. good. It's a language of light for a world living in darkness. And then of course I've got the dream book, what your dreams are telling you in a dream journal. And then we're starting to do this thing. This is oil and we it's scented. And so we thought about this uh, when we were doing the adult convention, because this is your biggest remembrance of all your senses. The smell Mm -hmm. is the one that you're going to remember. If you walk into grandma's house, you're going to know that you're in Mm -hmm. grandma's house because of the smell. Right. So we hold their hand. We want to give them uh, have an opportunity for them to have an encounter with the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit. Then we take the oil and we rub it on them and let them smell it. And so then we give them this and we tell them every morning when you get up, open your bottle, put it on yourself and ask the spirit of truth to guide your day. 
and it will be that remembrance. It will be that remembrance of that encounter and that God is going to guide their path and it's going to help them remember what they had and what happened and how. And so it'll, it kind of re, uh, re, uh, builds a new brain pathway into wholeness, into health, you know, let, let this ask the spirit of truth to direct your path today. And so he will, and, and he'll bring other people along who will help them understand that God loves them. And so anyway, it's just one of those things that we just said, oh, that, that's cool. I mean, so I remember gonna, smells. You're going to sell, uh, sell those on your, your shop? Yeah, we'll probably do them. I think we're going to, sh- we're not going to sell them like online because um, they probably get broken in the mail. Oh, yeah. But what we'll do is we'll have them like when we do an outreach, we're going to do a booth. Oh, nice. So, so then we can, um, and we won't charge for it. We'll just ask, we always do a thing called organic giving. <laughs> so we have a mm. bowl and people can just throw whatever a they want. Jar. A tip yeah. jar. Yeah. And, um, but it helps us pay for our outreaches. Sure. You know, all of our outreaches are done at our own expense. Mm-hmm. And Elijah List has been incredibly helpful in helping us go. Thank you go, guys so much. I mean, it's, 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 I just can't even believe you know how wonderful and supportive they've been toward the outreach efforts that we've done and so awesome love it god bless you yeah you too cindy (laughs) thank you so much it's always so much fun having you on the show thank you there's always so much on this show oh oh i do oh yeah so well we appreciate you and and all the efforts you're doing and um you know i just love how non-religious you are i love it love it so i have to i had to i had to get out of my religious junk too everybody so. has to yeah yeah so get that's that's how you become an empty vessel for the lord to use is. well in a new day too yeah we're in a whole new we're in a whole new ball game here that's right that's right yep so, so. Everybody, that is our show. Again, just a reminder, we're only down to three days a week. So our next show is going to be on Wednesday, April 26th. And it's with Audrey Frable. Guys, bring your communion stuff. We're going to be taking communion. We actually recorded that on Passover. It's a great, great, great episode. So come prepared because we're all going to take communion together. It's going to be really super powerful and awesome. So that's at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. God bless you guys, and we will see you on Wednesday, April 26th with Audrey Frabel. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.